Praise God. So thankful for the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. And I'll let you be seated while I'm reading today. We'll continue on in our walking this gravel road. We're up to lesson 12. Everybody's hanging in there, still walking. Still walking. Praise God. Uh, Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2 open up this morning and uh, this is a scripture I've referenced lately and one of my favorite uh, scriptures uh, every time I come across it it just encourages me the psalmist said I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications because he hath inclined his ear unto me Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Now today our lesson is titled Influence with God. The subtitle is Prayer, the most powerful force in the universe. How many believes it is? Come on, let's pray together before the lesson. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for access, Lord, to come boldly before the throne of grace so we can find help in our time of need. God, we just thank you for everything you're doing for us. Let us hear what you're saying. Lord, let this word encourage us and strengthen us today in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Now give him another hand clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. What a great, great God. I appreciate him so much. Influence with God. That uh, is something that we have, and I'm thankful for. You may have some situations that I'm going to read some examples. These are purely examples, but I'm sure we've all identified with at some point or some time in a situation we were facing. Something must be wrong. Maybe I don't have enough faith. I pray, but it seems my prayers are rarely answered. I've stopped expecting anything to happen. Or I prayed at the start of the relationship. I didn't want to be hurt again. I thought for sure I had found the right person. I was wrong. I don't understand why God allowed me to get hurt to make another mistake. Does God really care? The doctor walked into the room and told me that I had breast cancer. I didn't know how to act, so I just stared at him. That was the moment I gave up. I just knew I was going to die. You see, walking with God, completely trusting God, submitting to God and His sovereignty does not imply that we are powerless in the face of circumstances. We, we, we know that we must trust God with everything we have and lean not to our own understanding. But that does not mean we are powerless in this walk with Him. The Scripture says, And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. There's a lot of things that are implied in witness, and we think it's just speaking But it's not just speaking. The greatest witness you have is what people see and how they see you react and how they see you go through and how they see you overcome. That is being a witness. And he said, I'll give you power to be witnesses unto me. Everyone will know that I'm the one that got you through it. They'll see you uh, not give up not walk away, not turn your back, not throw in the towel, not, not get bitter, not get angry, but they'll just see you keep praising me and serving me, and they're going to know that I did this, that it was not under your own strength, and so we have power. How could we not have power? The one who said all power in heaven and earth is given unto me lives inside of us. He didn't move in and say, you can't touch this power. You don't have access to this power, but instead he, he let us know that we would have that power. That doesn't mean we're going to shoot lightning bolts out of our hands or, or call fire down from heaven. But it is power to live for God. It is power to be a witness 
for God. And like I said, being a witness is more than just saying, oh, I believe in God. A lot of people say that today, but you wouldn't know it by their actions. But when they see us, that light shining, uh, they know that God is with us. And, and so when we walk with God, sure, I trust him completely. We always say, you got to give it to God. Sure, we've got to give it to God. But we are not powerless uh, in our circumstances. We do have influence with God. In hindsight, we, most of us would look back and, and probably most assuredly we would say some of these situations that I've been through would have been different if we had just prayed about it, if we'd have just uh, came boldly before the throne that we could find help in our time of need. That indicates I have influence with God. I think about uh, Esther in the Bible, how that she had to go before the king, and she said, if I just walk in there, he might. But he didn't. He raised out that scepter, and, and he let her approach and, and was able to get a solution for her answer. She had influence with the king. She didn't have influence on the king. That's different. When you, you have influence on somebody, it causes them to change their behavior. But when you have influence with somebody, they are listening to you and they are uh, considering what you're doing and, and, they, and you, they see your life and they know what you believe about them and they know what you're going through and then you have influence with them. And so if we, you know, if we, if we don't get distracted, and lose our focus, uh, you know, because when that happens, we end up losing battles that never should have been lost. When we get distracted and, and, and the main thing that is the main thing uh, is no longer in our vision, when we, uh, uh, that trusting God and serving God and approaching God, is uh, that's off on the side burner. It's on simmer right now because we're cooking something else right now. We're, we're angry, we're bitter, we're going through something, we're hurting, whatever it is. All of a sudden, uh, you know, we, we end up losing a battle we should have won easily. I've always said there's no reason to be defeated by a lesser foe. And there is nothing greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And right now, people in this world, people in this room may be facing something that just seems, it's out of my control. That's all right. But the truth is this. That even when it is out of your control, you have more influence with God than you think. There is more going on with you and God than we realize. We think, well, he saved. You know, we, we, we want to be humble. Well, he saved me. He don't have to do nothing else. And I've said it, and you probably have too, and it's been sung, and it's been probably preached. But, well, if I don't see another miracle, God's done enough already. If I don't see... This, I, God's done enough for me already. Well, well he, he saved me. That's right. And he filled me. And I'm going to heaven one day. But I feel like I would stand with the, the writer in the scripture who said, I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is not, a one, I'm going to do one good thing for you kind of God. He's a God that is doing miracles, signs, and wonders every day. And yeah, I don't have to see another miracle to believe in him, but I want to see everyone I can see. I want to see God move in people's lives. I want to see him move in this earth. I want to see God do some things. And that's not being, well, you, also, you just can't believe in God unless you see something. No, I already got that part down. I've already obeyed by faith. I've never seen God yet. I love him. But I, won't, I just believe that God will be God. And he said, in these signs shall follow them that believe. You know what? You know, and when we say that, we think, well, these signs will follow them that believe. Believe what? Believe the gospel. Well, of course, they've got to believe the gospel. But you know what you've got to do before you believe the gospel? You've got to believe in him. And when people believe, and we think that, well, I know he exists. If somebody tells you they believe in you, they believe in your character. They believe in what you stand for. They believe in how you live. They believe in what you say. They, they have faith in you. And, and so we know that uh, we have to have faith in God. But when we say people think, well, I have faith in God, and that just means I know he's all-powerful and he can do anything. No. Do you have faith in his sovereignty? Do you have faith in God's decision-making? Do you have faith in God, uh, his leading and his guidance? Do you have 
faith in that he, that he loves you and that you're his child and that uh, he's doing great things for you? Do, you? do you have faith in him? Do you uh, you got to do more than just say, well, well I believe, but, but because we believe in him and who he is to us and what he does, and now these signs are following them people because they have a relationship with God and they have influence with God. God does not answer the prayers of people who are out of relationship with him. He doesn't work miracles with people who are out of relationship with him. We've got to have that relationship. And any relationship that you have, you have influence with people. Two friends, great friends, they love each other. They have influence with each other. One of them will say, hey, I want want to go to the varsity and eat. The other one's going to say, no, I, w- I want to go to Red Lobster and eat. One of them's going to prevail. They have influence. Well, next time we'll do this. Okay, they'll agree. They've talked about it. They, they've discussed it. They've come together, and now they agree. Okay, we'll go here, then. They have influence with each other. That's a very trivial uh, thing. We love both of those places, but it's very trivial. Yeah, but it's, you see what I'm saying is that, and that's the way it is with God. God even said, come, let us reason together. We have influence with God. And this is what the psalmist was saying uh, in Psalm 116. When he said, I love the Lord. Well, we know we love him because he first loved us, sure. But there are things that he does in our life that we love. And so he says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice. He's heard me. And he's heard all my supplications. I've, he's heard my voice when I'm praising him, when I'm thanking him. And he's heard every request that I have. He's heard that. And uh, so I love him because I know he's listening. And then he says, I love the Lord because he's not just uh, has heard me. He has inclined his ear unto me. I have, uh, I have a place where I can talk to him. I can have a conversation. I can counsel with him. And, and he's not, you know, you don't listen to, you may hear somebody talking, but you might not be listening. It's just like you can be in a place and you can hear, some, boy, there's, there's people talking everywhere and you can't tell anything. But if you hear something that catches your ear, you'll start tuning in on that table or that. Because that, that's, that's got your interest. And he says, the Lord has inclined his ear unto me. He's listening. God cares about what you're saying. He cares about what's in your heart. He cares about what burdens you, what what hurts you. He cares about what you like and what you don't like. He cares about that stuff. He says, and because God listens to me, because he hears me, I I love him, and so I'm going to call on him as long as I live because I know that he will listen. You will get tired of talking to someone who won't listen. If you're talking to somebody and you you feel like, I'm just beating my head against the wall because it doesn't matter what I say, you do the... It's like you don't hear me. You do the exact opposite. So you stop talking to them. Why am I going to keep talking to you if you don't listen? But we know God listens because we know God answers prayer. And he answers prayer because we have influence with God. We have all seen God turn situations around. We've seen God work miracles. We know, and it didn't just because he said, hey, I'm going to do this. It was because somebody interceded. Somebody said, I'm going to pray. Somebody said, I'm going to approach God. When we talk about this walk with God, there's no greater example of of beginning a walk and and continuing a walk with God than Abraham because it it started out with a walk. Abraham, get up and get out of this country, leave everything behind and go to a land that I'll tell you about. But he said he got up going not knowing where he was going. He just got up and started walking. Abraham was walking. It also says Abraham was a friend of God. James 2 tells us that Abraham was the friend of God. And so a friend, he has influence with God. In Abraham's journey, he did not just walk away by himself uh, with his wife and, and ki- kids or, or just uh, immediate family. He, he took some people with him. He took uh, his nephew Lot. And um, we find that as they grow, they God blesses and their herds are getting great and things are getting real good for Abraham and Lot, but things are getting so good that now they can't dwell together and they begin to fight. They're, they're, the keeper of their herds are fighting and bickering and carrying on. And so Abraham, look, it don't have to be like this. You just decide. If you go this way, I'll go that way. 
you go that way, I'll go this way. I'm going to give you choice, Lot. You decide what you want to do. So Lot looks around, sees the plains before Sodom and Gomorrah, just well watered and great. So he, he uh, faces his tent toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's where he is going. And he ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know that things are not about to end well for Sodom and Gomorrah. And when God decides, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that three angels uh, come to Abraham. Of course, we know there's two angels, and one of them is the Lord. And uh, he says, I've got to let my covenant partner in on what is about to happen. In Genesis 18 uh, and 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham? The thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him, for I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, and the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So he lets uh, Abraham know, just to, to go on through there, he, he begins to tell Abraham, I am about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, the cry is very great and grievous, and I am going to destroy these two cities. And when he tells Abraham that, in verse 22, it just says, And Abraham yet stood before the Lord. He didn't just turn around, turn his back, and say, You know, listen, when God decides to do something, he's going to do it. I mean, if, if God decides it, you know, you can't, you can't tell him, You're not going to do that, God. But Abraham just stands there. He stands before the Lord. You know, he's not, you know, to try and withstand God would be like you or me going out to the, to the beach and trying to keep the waves from hitting the sand. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. You can't withstand God. But Abraham's not trying to withstand God. He's not in God's face. He's not trying to, tell, you know, block him. He, he, ain't pulling, he ain't doing like Peter and grabbing the Lord and rebuking him. He's not trying to withstand uh, God because that's impossible. He's reasoning with God. He's interceding uh, with God. And, and the reason that he feels like I can stand here and reason and intercede and talk to God is because Abraham walked with God and he understood God. He was a friend of God. He knew how God was and how God acted. And so uh, listen to how Abraham begins to bargain with God. In Genesis 18 and uh, starting in verse 23, Abraham says, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He said, Lord, what if, and I'm going I'm to read through this and kind of paraphrase going through here, because there are six different uh, times that, that Abraham changes the bargain after God agrees to what he said. He said, Lord, what if there's 50 righteous in the city? Will you destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous? And, uh, and the Lord, in verse 26, he said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous, then I'll spare the place for their sakes. And Abraham said, Well, Lord, behold, I've taken it upon me to speak. This is verse 27. And I'm just dust. And I'm just ashes. I know that. But what if there were five lack of that? What if there were 45? And he said, If there's 45, I won't destroy it. In verse 29, he said, well, okay, what if there's 40 there? And he said, I, I won't destroy it for 40's sake. And then verse 30, Lord, don't be angry with me. I'm just going to say this. What if there's 30? And the Lord said, I won't destroy it if there's 30. Okay, Lord, I know I've taken it upon me to speak. Uh, what if there are 20? And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. He's agreeing with everything that Abraham says. This is out of... This city is going to be destroyed. God has told him. And so Abraham is trying to intercede and, and he's trying to make the best deal possible because he knows he has family there. And so he's trying to intercede on their behalf and, and for anybody else that might be righteous. And he, and he says, Lord, verse 32, don't be angry. I'm going to speak yet, but this one more, this last thing, what if there's 10? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for 10's Safe. If I find ten, 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah, t just 10, that's nothing. That, for a city that was as great and big as that would be nothing, you think, 10 people. He said, if I find 10, I won't destroy it. 
And God made a decision. He went from, I'm going to destroy the entire place from saying if I, there's at least 10 people there, everybody else, I'll spare everybody for that 10. And you know why? Because Abraham was interceding and Abraham had influence with God. And guess what? We're in covenant with God. We are in covenant with Him. We are His children. We are born again. And we have influence with God. But you've got to stand sometime and, and stand before the Lord and come before the Lord and believe that God is concerned with what you're facing and God is concerned with what you're doing. And then realize that God hears what I'm saying. You know, get out of this. Don't talk that faithless junk where my prayers are not even getting off the floor. Yes, they are. And hey, you know what? Even if they're on the floor, God's there. Because you can't go to any height or any depth that you won't find him. Oh, I'm so low. I got to look up to see the ground and there's no way my... Why God is... You talking about you in a place where God can't be? You're in a place where God can't hear? You're in a place where God can't do? Uh, and there is still nothing too hard for the Lord. And there's no place that I can go to the highest high or the lowest low that God is not there. And so uh, when they get finished with this, the Lord went his way. But he didn't go until he had left communing with Abraham. God doesn't just walk out of your conversation. He said, when we're done communing, that word translates, and it fits all this perfect. It means to speak. It also means to answer, to promise, and to teach. And God was doing every bit of that for Abraham. He was speaking to him. He was giving him an answer. He, was prom he promised Abraham, if I find ten, I'll spare them all. It was a promise. And he was teaching Abraham, this is how I'll work. When people will come to me and intercede and, and talk to me, I, and, and listen, he, he made a valid point to God. Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the Lord's like, I'm listening. So, so he starts at 50, gets all the way to, just every time, and God agrees to every number. He probably could have said, what if there's just five? He probably could have said two. And he would, if he'd have just said one, the city would, so that's where you don't stop. You know, the Bible calls Lot a righteous man. He said he vexed his righteous soul. If he'd have just said one, he'd have said, well, Lot's there. We stop too short sometimes. I, hey, I, it, it, no, that's not, there's nowhere you'll find that, well, you sure God would have done that? I'm just saying, the Bible refers to Lot, even though he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, said he vexed his, his righteous soul with their ungodly deeds and things, but, but Lot was considered a righteous man. What if he'd have went to one? What if he just thought, what if it's, Lord, what if it's just one righteous? But what did God do? God's still merciful and sent those other two, those angels, to pull Lot and his family out of there because he knew uh, how uh, Abraham felt about them. But he was speaking, answering, promising, and he was teaching Abraham, this is how I work. This is what I do. And that's the thing. We all know what it feels like to have situations that are uh, totally out of our control. Despite our very best efforts to, to fix things and work on things, we just find ourselves, I'm at the end of all reason. I, I don't know what else I'm going to do. That. As a matter of fact, I don't have anything else I can do. I know in one scripture it says in, in the book of Psalms, it uh, talks about people out on the sea and the, the, the waves are tossing them up and down and, and they just realize they're going to be lost. It says they're at their wit's end. They, they don't know what else to do except cry out to God. It said, and when they cried out, he calmed the storm and he saved them. You know why? Because you have influence with God. You, God, you know, I've always said this, you've heard it. If it's out of our control, it's never out of God's control. It might be something I can't fix, but there's never anything that God can't fix. God can fix it. He always, we, we have watched it over and over and over in Scripture how God's people, uh, and I don't know what changed to the modern-day saint from understanding what they had here 
uh, maybe it's the world we live in, I don't know, but we think that they had some kind of relationship with God that we can't have. Well, there'll never be another David. Why? There'll never be another, uh, you know, uh, there'll, there'll never be another Moses. There'll never be, well, you know, you won't be Moses exactly, but why can't you have a walk with God? Like that? They, they weren't something that, that we can't be. They just decided to follow God. You know why Abraham had to walk he had? Because he was willing to walk away from things. And people today just not willing to walk away from things. I want to serve God and keep my stuff. I want to serve God and keep the people that I, that I want to keep around me. We were just talking about this a while ago. Uh, you've got to be ready to walk away from some things. Even the Lord said, if you're going to follow me, he said, you're going to have to, to, to deny yourself. And we, we don't mind denying other people. But by that denying our own flesh is where we, we hit the speed bump, man. It's like, uh-uh, man. I, 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 it's all about me, all about me. I want mine, I want mine. I'm going to get mine, I'm going to have mine, I'm going to do me. It's, you hear it all today. That's the, the theology of the world today. It's all about me. But you can't be all about you serving God. It's, it's all about others. <laughs> going into that, uh, all the world and preaching the gospel. Lord, you know it's going to cost money to do that, then raise it. Because it's all about preaching the gospel. You know, the Lord's going to say, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to do some things if you're going to serve me. You're going to take up a cross uh, daily and follow me. And, and so that's denying yourself. But you think God calls you to pick up a cross and follow him and then you have no access to him? Certainly not. And we have uh, influence with God that we don't even believe sometimes. Exodus 32, Moses goes up to the mountain. He's getting the, the Ten Commandments. He's getting all the laws, and everything's going great, and all of a sudden God's like, get down to your people because they've, they've already turned out of the way already, and they made that molten calf, and they're dancing around it and carrying on, acting up, and uh, God is talking to Moses. He said, look, just get out of the way. Let me execute my wrath on them. I'll raise up a people under you. be greater than them, and, and Moses just stood in front of him and said, uh, God, don't do that. You know, don't, you brought them out. And if you do that, what, what will the enemies of God think? And, and he begins to reason with God and, and talk to him. And, and God, don't destroy him. Moses interceded for Israel. And God listened. He heard what Moses said and he didn't wipe. He could have just obliterated Israel right there been done with them, but instead he listened because Moses had influence with God. In Isaiah 38, uh, the Lord told Isaiah, he said, listen, go tell Hezekiah, get his house in order because he is surely going to die. So he, Isaiah goes in, he tells him, he turns to walk out. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and begins to pray and begins to weep. And God stops Isaiah in the yard and says, go back and tell him, I have heard thy prayer and I have seen thy tears and I will add him 15 years to his life because Hezekiah had influence with God. And, and, and you and I are no different. What, you know, we, we read about Hannah in the beginning of Samuel. What is one of the most quoted lines the, the and it's stitched on all kind of stuff and everything that we hear from Hannah. And for this child, I prayed. She did. She was barren. She was having children. Her adversary was provoking her. She was uh, mocked and teased because of it. She was brokenhearted and distressed. And she stood in the temple. Said she prayed. Just moved her lips, but just she prayed in her heart. But she moved her lips, and she got accused of being a drunk woman in the house of God. You know. And just and she says, "Oh, I'm praying." And, and but when she had the child, she said, "For this child, I prayed, and the Lord has given me the petition that I asked of Him." She went humbly before God, and she went and poured her heart out because she believed God could do something about it, and He did. She had influence with God. We are. Let me ask you this: Does your child not have influence with you? Even when you want, when you're like this, still they have influence 
with you. And guess what? They learn from a baby that they have influence with mom and dad because it can be still and quiet and finally, ah, it's your turn. <laughs> Somebody's getting up to see what's going on. Somebody's going to warm up a bottle. Somebody's going to change it. Because that kid's got influence. And, it, and they learned that early on, and then they continue. Well, we should have learned that very early on. From the time we knelt down to repent of our sins and felt that weight of sin leave us. When we felt the grace and mercy of God, when we said, God, forgive me for the life I've lived. And when we went down and were obedient, baptized in his name and came up washed and cleansed and we felt that newness of life come in us as the Holy Ghost moved in. We should have learned right then that I have influence. I, I don't order God around. I don't force God's hand. I don't uh, rub a lamp and he jumps out and says, what can I do for you? I'm not his master. But I am his child and he loves me. And there ain't a father that loves a kid nowhere more than God loves you. And if you think that you don't have influence with God, I'm not saying, again, you can't force him. You're not commanding him. And if you're a brat, he'll just tell you no. You know, there are times when that kid that has influence when we go, no, that's the end of it. And there's sometimes that God says, no, that's the end of it. This is how it's going to be. But it doesn't mean he stopped loving us. It doesn't mean he doesn't care about us anymore. But we have influence with God. We're doing without a lot of things because we don't recognize. Uh, I think sometimes when you know, we sometimes they said you, you know you ask but you don't receive because you ask amiss. I think asking amiss is not just asking for the wrong thing. I think it's asking without faith. It's it's asking without realizing that I have influence with Him. I, I'm not trusting Him with what I'm giving Him. I'm just. It's like I'm just talking into the air, but I'm not really talking to God because I really don't believe God's going to give it to me anyway. But I have influence with God, and Jesus tried to teach us that. And uh, where I'm at, Luke 18, the Lord spake a parable to them to this end. Men ought to always pray. Prayer, the most powerful, powerful force in the universe. And so he said, they ought to always pray and not faint. In other words, don't give up. Don't stop approaching God. Your prayers to God. Don't stop approaching Him. He said, in the city there was a judge. He didn't fear God. He didn't regard man. And there was a widow in the city. She came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, I want you to hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And then he said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? And so he, he let us know, he said, God's children have his elect, his church, his bride, they have influence with him. And they, just like I mentioned Esther and the king earlier, we're his bride and we have influence with our king. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and bring these things and believe that God is going to make a way. It's going to be hard to keep walking with God if you believe God's never going to answer. You might put on a strong face and, and look like, well, I'm just going to keep on walking by faith even if God don't answer. But you know what? That, that'll get old in a while. If God never answered, you'll stop praying. If God never did anything, you, oh, you, you, can, you can say it all you want to, but man, I'm telling you, the flesh is weak and the flesh is... Uh, needs something sometimes and, and if God just I'm talking about never ever answered your prayer never answers anything you say never does it just silent all the time you don't feel him nothing. you'll find something else to invest in but the thing is you can believe that God will he said God shall he shall 
avenge them. He will answer them. He will come through. Don't believe anything else except that God will come through and trust him. In the, but it's the last statement that Jesus made. He said, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I, I referenced that a little bit earlier. I'm not talking about uh, signs and wonders and miracles kind of faith. He, he, said, I, he didn't say when, when he shows up, will he find miracles, signs, and wonders. He said, will he find faith? Will he have people that believe in God? Will I find people that are still praying? Will I find people that are still worshiping? Will I find people that are still serving? Not, not uh, all about uh, walking on water and blinded eyes, opening and dead people coming alive. I'm talking about, will I still find people serving me because they love me? Will I still have people that say, I love the Lord because he hears my voice? Will I, will I still have people to say, uh, his praise shall continually be in my mouth? Will there still be people entering in with thanksgiving and, and, and coming on in with praise? Will there still be people who serve me? The Lord spoke to his disciples in Mark chapter 11. After he had dried up the fig tree, he had spoke to it the day earlier. The next day they see it and said, wow, that fig tree that you curse is withered away. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Again, not just God's power to dry up trees. He said, I want you to have faith in God. I want you to believe that when you talk, God hears you. Have faith in God. Have faith in his character. Have faith in who he says he is. What he's taught, what you've learned about him all through the scriptures about how he uh, is uh, gentle and patient and long-suffering. No, he doesn't clear the guilty, but, uh, but he is uh, tender-hearted and, and he loves his people and he's, he won't forsake his people. He's faithful. He's treated. Have faith in God. Have faith that he's the God he describes himself as. Have faith in the God that saved you. Have faith in the God that you uh, love so much that you're so excited that he moved inside of you. And, and uh, just have faith in God. Because when you have faith in him, he knows that. You ever try to talk to somebody that they just don't believe you can do it? Have you ever said, you just don't have no faith in me? Right. And there's been some, I've said, you're right. <laughs> but with God, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. There's no reason to ever doubt God. He's never unfaithful. He's never untrue. He's never insincere. He's never not there. There's no reason not to have faith in him. People let you down. And so it gets hard sometimes. We've made three appointments. You've missed every one. So, yeah, I don't have faith you'll make the fourth, so I'm not making another one. We do that. I just don't have faith you'll be there. But with God, he's there. He's never untrue. He's never not righteous. He never makes a mistake. He never treats you harshly. Will he correct you? Sure, but whom the Lord loves, he chastens. But, but everything is all things working together for our good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We know that. We understand that. We believe that. And so when Jesus said, you want to you speak to things? So you're having faith that that's going to move by what you said. Have faith in God. And then start speaking to things. Moses had faith in God, so he interceded. It worked. Hannah had faith in God, so she prayed. It worked. Abraham had faith in God, so he talked to him, and it worked. God answered every time. God came through every time, and that's what God will do for us. Have faith in God. Not in my ability to look good when I'm praying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, praying, man. I, I got to get some kind of like prayer punch going on or something. Yeah. You know, you know, some people figured out I could just go, and it worked. I mean, some people wave the coat, and they think, here we are. That's nonsense and theatrical and showmanship, and it's, and it's dishonorable to the Lord. And I, and I wouldn't care if he was sitting here. I'd tell him. 
But what I'm telling you is when you have faith in God, you don't have to put on no theatrics. There's no hoop. It's, it's just I have faith. I'm, I'm about to pray for my brother. And I know God, I have faith God loves my brother. And I have faith that God loves me and that God hears me. And so now I'm going to pray. I'm telling you, I'm giving you something that's going to open up for the rest of these services today that you're going to realize, mm, man, I feel it. I'm telling you that, you that there's going to be a new understanding of faith waking up in your mind, and you're going to realize that when I'm praying now, I'm not, I'm not praying on that situation. I'm talking to God. Uh, when I pray, it's because I have faith in God. It's the, it, it, and like I said, I know, I know how we are because we're, we're focused. We lock in on the problem and not the problem solver. And we have convinced ourselves that I'm really praying to him when I'm just, all I'm doing is praying against the thing. But I've got to approach him. I've got to go boldly before him. And I've got to have faith in him. And realize that, again, I don't push him, I don't shove him, I don't lead him, I don't force him, but I have influence with him. Oh, Friend, I don't know if you feel it, but I, I have felt it. I have felt it all morning. Oh, that God is able. And, and when we can just realize that when Jesus said, if you'll have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, he, he didn't say faith that mountains move. Have faith in God as a grain of a mustard seed. And remember who you are to him and who he is to you. And just have faith in God that he'll be God. Have an expectation in God. Be like Paul always said, I am persuaded about God. I, you can't move me off of what I believe about God. And, and when you know that he's the healer of all your diseases and you know that uh, he's able to do anything and you, when you go to pray, you're not, uh, what's the matter? Oh, you got a headache? Headache? Well, you, you got to address the headache. Address God. Uh, what did Jesus do? He prayed outside Lazarus' tomb. He said, I'm not praying. He said, I know you hear me. He said, but so everybody around here will understand what's going on. So he began to talk to the Father before he ever said, Lazarus, come forth. Before he ever said, before he, before he ever said anything about come out of that tomb, anything, he just he talked to the Father. I know you hear me. I get it, and I'm, I'm trying to show these people. I, I, I'm, I'm good, but we've got to do some, you know, some examples. Jesus always giving examples, being baptized to fulfill all righteousness, things like that. He, he knew uh, what he had to do, and so he's telling them, and, and so they see that. He, he didn't go over there and, and try to drag Lazarus out or go grab his dead body. He just said, Father, I, I know you hear me, and I know uh, everything, but just let's, let's show these people how they pray to you when they have faith in you, that miracles can happen, that dead things can come alive. Oh, that things that were stinking and no good anymore can be restored and made whole if we'll just have faith in you. Lazarus, come forth. And he did because he had influence. When you believe in him, it moves him. Jairus had a daughter at the point of death. So he left his house and he came to Jesus. He said, my daughter, she's at the point of death. Come and heal her. He said, I'll go with you. Maybe the first time they ever saw each other face to face. But he believed in him. And that moved Jesus to where he said, I'll go with you. And he went with him, and his daughter was resurrected. She had already died by the time they got there, but res resurrected. And guess what? Just, and I preached this a few weeks ago. Just because she died on the way there, just because it got worse in the middle of it, don't mean God stops walking with you. Because it never gets so bad, he can't do something with it. And so he went on to the house, and he raised her from the dead and showed them. And he learned something. If you go to him in belief, Hey, he'll move. He got there and he, to show me when they got home, their belief kind of wavered and he put them all out. Y'all got to go. 
Why? Because you don't believe what I just said. I said, she's sleeping and you're laughing at me and scorning me, so get out of the room. And you won't see what I do. <laughs> and so he shut the door and he, until the miracle's done and he brings her out to show them. It's, it's teachings. And so don't ever stop believing in him. Because it's, it's him. You, you, you have more influence with him than you realize. I know I've, I'm, I'm winding down here. Right now, honey, you can come on to the music. And so uh, after he said uh, this in verse 24 of, of that Mark 11, he said, so whatever things you desire when you pray, believe, you receive them, and you shall have them. You've got to believe that God's going to come through. You've got to believe what you have with God and, and the influence you have with him. And Jesus said this to his disciples before he left in John 15 and 7. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And we're, we're good at the asking, but we've got to get better at the abiding. Come on, might as well be honest, folks. We're, we're good at the asking because we lie, I need, I need, I, I want, I've got to have, we're, but we're, we've got to get better at the abiding. Abiding in Him is more than just showing up on Sundays. It's a daily walk with Him. To abide in His Word to actually read his word, to ingest that word, to study that word, to, and then put that word to practice in your life. All of it. That's abiding in him, abiding in his word. He said, you get those, those things right, you ask what you want to. And you, it'll blow your mind what God will do. The story of Abraham, who is the father of us all, and it says in Scripture, it's a reminder that when we pray, we have influence with God. I don't know what heaven will be like, what eternity will be like, but maybe there we'll look back and see how our prayers moved the hand and the heart of God. Or maybe we'll look back and see how things could have been different if we had just stood our ground in prayer. Don't let the big circumstances of life intimidate you into believing that God won't move. Joshua was in the middle of, in Israel in the middle of a battle and he just said, son, stand still. And things stood still. The sun stood here and the moon stood here. Why? Would, why, why? Was it because he had, he, that he had control over the sun and moon? No, but he had influence with God. And he believed in God and he had faith in God. We already know he had a different spirit. He believed in God. Him and Caleb both. And, and, and so when he said, we got to win this battle, he spoke it. It wasn't because he believed he could do it, but he knew the one that could do it. At the end, you can stand with me. There will be the life that we live. And then there'll be the life that we should have lived. There's the life that we're living. And then there's the life we should be living. I don't want to live a life that's like a story with an unfinished chapter. Where the hero didn't show up or the mission failed. I want my story to be that God wrote long before I ever breathed took a breath. I want it to be that story of, hey, you know, a, a miracle happened. A marriage was saved. A prodigal returns home. Uh, grace covers a sin or faith makes the difference. Death did not have the final say. And finally, Paul admonished us, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing. Never stop approaching God. As long as, you know, I know this, as long as my mama's alive, if she was 105 and I was, I don't know how old that would make me. Don't add it up. But I know that I could still go to her anytime. And if she knew I didn't, she'd be upset with me. Why didn't you tell me? 
well, Mama, you know, I'm kind of a grown-up, but I'm your mama always. And we go to God's night, they were like, well, God, I'm kind of a grown-up now. And God's like, you know, that just shows me right there you're not. Because even a grown-up knows where his help comes from. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. No matter how mighty he was in battle, no matter how many songs they sung about him, I know where my help comes from. And so as long as I have breath, I'll be calling on him because I have influence with him. I have faith in him. Uh Would you lift your hands across the room right now? Jesus, Jesus. Oh, come on, I know it's I know it's Sunday school, I know it's early, and I know we're we're looking at time, but I'm telling you right now, God's moving in this place. There's a presence of the Lord in this house, and He's trying to get your attention. You've been trying to kick the problem when you just need to approach God. You've been trying to grab that problem by the neck and drag it out, but all you need to do is talk to God. Have faith in Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, give him a hand clap and a shout of praise this morning. Uh, I just believe God's going to do something great. But I want you to realize going into this next service, as you're worshiping and praying, this choir is going to be singing. I want you to remember, you've got influence with him. Bring it to him today. Lift it up to him today. Have faith in him today. And you just may leave this place with an answer that you've been waiting on for a long time because you finally stopped attacking the problem and you started approaching God. That'll preach. That's the truth. We spend too much time fighting things on our own when we should just be giving it to God. If you're not going to do that, don't never say again, the battle's not mine, it's the Lord's, because you don't mean it. Give it to God. All right, I got to stop. We got to get ready. Find a place to pray before this next service. God's going to move. Trust Him. Believe in Him. God bless you.